What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Sports Talk Buffalo. I'm your host, Drew, and thank you for making me part of your week. The Buffalo Bills stadium analysis report has come out, and I will be digging deep into that, along with the Buffalo Sabres have come crashing back down to earth. All that in this episode, so stick around, and let's have some fun. So where are we going to build it? What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Sports Talk Buffalo. This has been a hot topic of conversation ever since Terry Pagula bought the Buffalo Bills in 2014 for $1.4 billion. Now, it was known for a very long time that the Buffalo Bills, they needed a new stadium simply because... The stadium that they are currently playing in, Highmark Stadium, is one of the oldest stadiums in the league. I believe it is the second oldest stadium in the league. And it opened 48 years ago in 1973. And even though it seems like these talks have been happening all year long and for previous years, it seems like this has been a hot topic of conversation for a very long time. It has seemed recently that this topic has really picked up speed and that it is now almost completely inevitable that in the very near future, the Buffalo Bills are going to get a new stadium. And I say that because now the preliminary analysis report has been recently released and it shows everything that we have been talking about and debating for the last five, six years. The report estimated uh, renovations on Highmark Stadium because they did do a report about the renovations on Highmark Stadium and tried to provide that as a viable option would have been $862 million, but it would only last with uh, continuous upgrades for about 10 to 15 years in this study is is what they are saying. Versus If the Bills were to build a brand new stadium, the price tag at the low low end would be $1.34 billion to build an open-air stadium in Orchard Park for 30 years, which is the estimated time that it will last with the same amount of uh, upgrades and renovations as it would have been done at Highmark Stadium with the other price tag. So it is clear that the building the stadium is absolutely the best and most cost-effective thing that the Pagulas can do in this situation. And building a new stadium is something that we can all get excited about because who doesn't love brand new shiny things? We have been going to Highmark Stadium since the early 70s. It is all we have ever known. And now we get to be one of the premier stadiums potentially in the entire NFL. Now let's first look at, uh, we want to look at which location, okay? Most people, a lot of people want it downtown. Some people, you know, a lot of people want it in Orchard Park. So let's go over the two locations and talk about the pros and cons of each. First, let's look at building it downtown. We're going to look at some positives to consider. According to the report, 
It could help spur investment in the stadium district, which would be obviously in and around the area of the stadium. Based on a projected growth, based on projected growth trends, it would help multifamily residential grow at about 6.1%, commercial at about 3.2%, retail at about 3%, and hospitality at about 16.6%. All of those things sound tremendous and is exactly what everyone is cl- who wants the stadium downtown is clamoring about. The fact that it could potentially build up this area of downtown is a huge benefit to putting this stadium downtown. Another pro to building it downtown was that the infrastructure would have to get massive upgrades, making it easier for people to come in and out of downtown and would be easier for uh, them to be able to direct cars on game day. The the incredible increase of cars that would be coming into downtown on game days. So the, the entire infrastructure around the stadium would have to be completely and 100% upgraded, and that is a positive long-term for the city of Buffalo. Now, let's look at some negatives to having it downtown. The project would take, according to this report, an extra full year to complete. The cost is a massive problem also when you consider having a stadium downtown as the land where they are considering or where they're considering building this is not what they consider shovel ready. So they would have to buy the land, knock the buildings down, and then start building the stadium, which is estimated to take at least another full year on top of if you were to just have have the land ready available and to build the stadium. It would also cost, uh, there's a big cost to buy the land. It's also because of the existing laws and environmental factors that go into downtown. If the building cannot be seated north and south like the uh, like it is supposed to, and it has to be faced east-west or any other direction, it is a necessity that the stadium has a dome to go downtown, and that whole thing buying the land, uh, displacing all the people, uh, displacing the businesses, uh, knocking it down, infrastructure, building the stadium, comes at a price tag of $2.1 billion. Now, that is almost double the price that I said earlier, building an open-air stadium in Orchard Park. Another one is the displacement of over 200 families and businesses in this area. Now, it might not seem like a lot. However, to upheave the life of nearly 200 people and businesses is a big thing and something that the city would absolutely, and the Pagulas would absolutely have to think about when considering building a stadium downtown. The biggest thing to me and a lot of other people is the potential catastrophic results it could have on the atmosphere in and around Highmark Stadium as if you build a stadium downtown There's just not enough land for people to be able to go and enjoy the game the same way that we have enjoyed the game since the early 70s. Lots of tailgating, lots of cars downtown. Some people make an entire weekend out of it with RV lots. There just simply isn't a space to do that downtown, and that could have a real negative impact on the type of atmosphere that is created within Highmark Stadium, and I think that having one of the best atmospheres talked about in the entire NFL, not just amongst fans and the media, but amongst players 
would be a huge deal and a huge loss for the Buffalo Bills if they were to build it downtown. Now, let's look at building it in Orchard Park. Let's stay with the negatives. One of the negatives, obviously, relatively no investment and development in Orchard Park and the surrounding areas. And as, as it is projected in this study, that only 1.6% increase in retail with the new stadium and no other increases in and around the stadium if it was built in Orchard Park. Now, when you look at the negatives, in my opinion, that's really the only negative that you have for building the stadium in Orchard Park. Now, you look at some of the uh, the positives. The land that the, the Bills want to build it on is already owned by Erie County. It is a lot across the street from the existing stadium, so it is shovel-ready. There is nothing on it. They can just start building the stadium as soon as they get the agreement in place. So it would take it would also take them a year less time for the Bills to be able to move into their new stadium. The cost would clearly be cheaper at just one point three five or five four billion dollars as opposed to the two point one billion dollars that I stated earlier with a potential stadium downtown. And this is for an open air stadium in Orchard Park. And if you wanted a dome stadium in Orchard Park, it would still be a far less of an expense at just $1.652 billion, according to the report. Or an idea that I don't think any of us ever thought about is a roof-ready stadium, which means they build the stadium to be able to accommodate a roof later as opposed to dumping all that money into it right now. They make a roof-ready stadium that could accommodate a roof later at $1.463 billion. And in my opinion, if you are really thinking about potentially doing a dome and you just want to see how the investment is going to pay off, potentially spending the extra $109 million for the potential of a future dome, especially for a lot of fans, would be a huge plus. A lot of people say if you're going to spend that much, why not spend the extra $298 million and just build a dome? However, I think the Pagulas, having spent tons of money in Western New York as of late, should have the option to potentially see how much of a return on their investment this stadium is going to give them. And it would be a nice compromise for people who would potentially be able to get their dome sometime down the road. And the last positive is, as I mentioned before, the atmosphere would stay 100% completely the same, which is absolutely fantastic. Again, for the players, for the media, for the fans, especially for the fans, I just went to a game this past week at Highmark Stadium. It was so much fun. I have so much fun. No, Bill's Mafia is not just jumping through tables. However, it is super fun to get with your friends, set up a barbecue, and really have the whole game day feel. It is a full day experience with the Buffalo Bills game. And if you are not parked directly in front of the stadium, it is a relatively easy, it is relatively easy to get out and get away from the stadium as it only took us about 25 to 30 minutes to get out of the parking lot and start going home in the current configuration that the Bills stadium has now. So my opinion is I would love to see the stadium be built with a either a uh, roof-ready design or a domed stadium potentially in Orchard Park so that we could have 
everything that we want, including the atmosphere that people so desperately love in Western New York. That's going to do it for this video, guys. Thank you for watching. Remember, like, subscribe, hit the notification bell so you guys never miss a video. Thank you, guys. Have a fantastic week. It was inevitable. What's going on, everybody? And welcome back to another video of Sports Talk Buffalo. The Sabres left for their first extended road trip on the West Coast after starting their season in an incredibly positive way, going 4-1-1 in their first six games, something I don't think anybody believed that they would do. And they started by going out and playing the Anaheim Ducks. And somehow they managed to escape this game with a win, despite being outshot 37-29. to And the Ducks were buzzing, just buzzing all game long. It looked like the Sabres were just a step behind for a majority of this game. And it was 40-year-old Craig Anderson who again stood on his head and gave the Sabres an opportunity to win this game. He stopped 34 of 37 shots with a .919 save percentage and a tremendous play in overtime, which I will show you, by Victor Olofsson when he absolutely walked Trevor Zegras going in on goal and then the fantastic... Uh, presence and, and frame of mind and vision to be able to find Rasmus Asplund on the back door for an easy slam dunk tap-in goal. And that ended up giving the Buffalo Sabres a win in Anaheim in overtime and an uh, excellent way to start their road trip. Now, you think the Sabres are 5-1-1. One, and one. They're coming into this game against um, an opponent who has been struggling of late with the LA Kings. And unfortunately, the next two games just didn't really go the way the Sabres wanted. As in the LA Kings game, they gave up a two-goal lead and ended up losing that game 3-2. to And, you know, they ended up losing badly against the San Jose Sharks 5-3. to It really wasn't even as close for a lot of the game, I don't think, as the score suggested. Um... This was the first really, really bad game for the Sabres goaltending as they weren't really able to come up with the big saves when it was needed in this game for Craig Anderson. However, the Sabres are still 5-3-1 and one despite starting the season 5-1-1. One, and one. They have lost two straight. And to, uh, the, you know when they play uh, coming up, we will really get a chance to see how they will respond to starting the season oh and or st- starting the the going on a two game losing streak for the first time in uh this season we're going to see how Don Granado coaches up the Buffalo Sabres we're going to get an opportunity to see if they can face a little adversity and come back from it or if they're going to start clutching their sticks like they have in the past and really blow this fantastic start that they were able to accumulate early on in this season Again, the Sabres in these last three games, they were outshot 98-78. to And it seemed like some of their old habits, their bad habits, were starting to creep in a little bit in a couple of these games. The Sabres' passes were not crisp. They were not moving their feet. They looked a little lackadaisical, and they just don't have the talent to be able to take any night off, any shift off, any second off, and expect to continue to win games in the NHL.
Now, some positives to take away so far from these games is that Victor Olofsson is really starting to shine and prove to everyone that he is far more than just a playoff specialist, uh, more than capable of, of uh, you know, continuing his offensive production five-on-five, five, and more than just a guy who can blast one-timers from the top of the circle. As he has three points in the last two games, he didn't play the last game, uh, a goal and two assists, and he is currently leading the team with nine points in eight games. Another positive to take away is that despite the last game that the Sabres played, goaltending has still been a fantastic uh, surprise for the Buffalo Sabres, and it has kept them in a majority of the games this season when they haven't been playing their top level of hockey and giving them an opportunity every single night to win games, something you are going to need to continue moving forward with the lack of talent on this team if you are going to continue to win some of these games. Another positive coming out of this is Rasmus Asplund over the last few games is starting to emerge as a consistent and dangerous scorer with five points in his last four games. He now has seven points in nine games. He is second overall on the team, and he is really starting to show that he belongs in the NHL. Uh, Along with some of these other younger guys, this is a fantastic sign for the Buffalo Sabres. Some negative things to take away so far is that the Sabres seem to be letting a little doubt creep into their game, something that you didn't see the first few weeks of the season. They seem like they're clutching their sticks a little tighter, sometimes afraid to be maybe making that mistake that you know they weren't afraid to make, and that is causing them to hesitate that extra split second that they weren't hesitating early in the season causing turnovers and and getting trapped in their own zone for uh, long stretches of time. Uh, Another negative uh, that you can take away from this is the Sabres are getting outshot by 20 shots on goal over the last three games, and they're not dominating the puck possession as they once did. Again, early in the season, we're starting to see the Sabres almost pull back a little bit Uh, as they move forward into the season, and that cannot happen if they want to continue to win games. Now, as I stated, it is very clear to me that the Sabres must go back to their heavy forecheck, attacking, straight-ahead style of play if they want to continue the success that they have had so far in this season. And the Buffalo Sabres really need to find their game again. They get an opportunity coming up here, of course, uh, playing um, very, very soon. And, you know, they have surprised us all. However, they have fallen back down to earth a little bit in recent weeks. And I want them to get back to the style of play that they finished last season and started this season under Don Granado. That's going to do it for this episode, folks. Uh, Remember, like, subscribe, hit the notification bell if you guys like what you're hearing so you guys never miss a video. That's going to do it for me. Thanks for watching. Have a fantastic week.